Ollie instructor Butch Epps earned his MFA, Masters of Fine Arts, at the UCLA Film School. After his undergraduate and graduate film studies, Epps spent many years in the entertainment industry, all the while keeping his focus on story and storytelling before migrating east to Our Desert, where he teaches sold-out cinema courses at Our Ollie. There's another reason a movie aficionado comes to our desert. Uh, for the waters. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for those of you who don't know, that's from Casablanca. California writer, poet, Paige Vida taught for many years in Poland before earning a master's degree at the University of Edinburgh. So how did a La Quinta lady end up in a world away from her beloved desert? <laughs> well, therein lies our story. I met some people from Poland when I was doing my study abroad semester in England, and they were the most fun people I've ever known. So if I lived in Poland, like I could meet people like that all the time. On that note of fun, on my father's side, they came from um, Poland, Russia. So I'm sure we'll have fun. <laughs> yes. Stay tuned for a fun conversation as two vibrant voices of Ollie share thoughts about finding stories on screen, on page, actually almost anywhere, but especially finding the story within you. Welcome to In Conversation, the Voices of Ollie. Ollie, O-L-L-I, is an acronym for the Osher Lifelong Learning Institute, located at and networked with the Palm Desert campus of California State, San Bernardino. If you saw Butch Epps and Paige Vida in conversation, you might mistake them for dad and daughter, <laughs> but they are actually colleagues at Ollie, and what they share is timeless. Both are story finders. For Epps, it's primarily on the film screen. For Vida, mostly on the written page. They begin their conversation exploring the question, are stories woven into the human condition? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's prevalent in like every culture around the world that they have stories, uh, some kind of storytelling tradition. <laughs> I actually do think everybody can tell a story, which is why I teach the class Story of Your Life, because I do think everybody has a story from their life that they can tell and tell well. Um, is that story publishable? Maybe not. Like maybe it won't circulate past like the members of their own family. But yes, I, I would say definitively yes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that I think everybody has a story to tell. Absolutely. It's not just what the story is, but but how the story's told. I imagine you know this page. In terms of breaking through, I think it's about being able to find your voice and, and let that voice speak for you in the story that you're telling. I, I did something a number of years ago and, and found a voice uh, for that particular thing. And not that I got it published, I, I, nor did I seek to get it published, but, but the people I've showed it to, it strikes a note. The, the other thing in terms of are we wired for story, which in that sense is, are we wired uh, to respond to stories? Uh, yes, because that's, that's gone all, all the way back. Even in cave art, is telling a story of some sort. 
an instructor many years ago talked about the power of story. It, it kind of began with, let's say, nomads. One nomad comes to another nomad. They need to find a way to communicate. And, and so let's say language forms. But really, it was the desire to like come across somebody and go, hey, what's over there? And then being able to be told, well, here, here's what you can find over there. And in a sense, that's the beginning of storytelling. For I think for most people, even if they're not writers, like stories provide the means for an escape. And I feel like especially like right now where there's a lot of horrible things going on in the world, you know, we need that kind of escape like either via movies, TV shows, or books, anything. Like we need, we need stories to like get us out of like the world and like out of our own heads. I think that memoir writing is another kind of like escape because you're escaping into your past, like the memories, you're like mining the stories from that different time in your life where maybe things were easier or you overcame something. And so you can see that you know, like you grew in some way. That's why I think I became a literature major and like did all the schools because stories like saved my sanity. What kinds of books attract you? I think my my favorite genre will always be science fiction and then probably memoirs. I know those are very different things. (laughs) Yeah. But I also, I also love poetry. Pretty much, I, I never met a genre I didn't like really. I just wanted to say that I took I actually took screenwriting twice in college and and I hated it the first time so I gave it another try and I hated it the second time I felt really confined by the formula of it the format yeah yeah I think it's very difficult and very uh rigid but I don't know maybe you can give another insight on it so in regards to formula I I really really understand there is a craft that has to be learned first. Uh, Not only screenplay format, how to write descriptions of interior, where you are, descriptions of places, and then move into the dialogue for a scene. But there's, there's a formula to screenwriting in terms of story beats that happen from the beginning to where you should be in the middle and where you should be at the end of act two to the beginning of act three to the, to the, ultimate climax of the story and wrapping up the film uh, story. It's like learning the piano. Uh, You start off learning scales and the discipline of that and the practice of that. And you move on to learning a piece of classical music and you keep practicing, practicing, and you get really, really good at that, playing that. And then, and then, and then you decide you don't like classical music. So you, you think I'd rather play jazz, but even with jazz, there's, there's a structure to it. And you have to master the structure. But once you master the structure, then you can go off playing riffs as much as you want. Uh, and that's, that's kind of that's like what film genres are. You learn the genre and you can play within the genre. Um, and, and that's essentially what film formula is as well. I'm just curious. Do you ever find that your enjoyment of, of a movie is inhibited by this technical knowledge that you have? Do you ever wish like, oh, I wish I could just enjoy it, not like peel back all the layers? Well, for me, that's part of the enjoyment. In one of my film classes in graduate school, the instructor, his name is Howard Suber in his structure course, he would talk talk to us about, it's important to see a movie twice. The first time you see a movie, just let it wash over you and enjoy it. And the second time, go back and you can start seeing how the story was being told. You've seen a movie once, you know the ups and downs of the story. So when you go and watch it a second time, 
you can see uh, the craft begins to be revealed. Not that you can't start seeing craft the first time around, but that it really starts to stand out when you move into the second time around. Yeah, but I find that for me, I, there are two, two types of entertainment. There's, there's a movie that, that's fun to watch and you just forget all that. Mm -hmm. And then there's the joy of working it all out. So, uh, but not necessarily every, every movie, movie brings me joy, but the joy of learning how things work um, is, 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 is fun. Now, when you, when you write, have you been finding that the more you write, the more you write, the more experience you have with crafts? So does that make it easier in terms of the problem solving that's involved in a structure for poetry or a structure for prose? Yeah, definitely. I, I am amazed when people can write, like the, they've never written a novel before and then they write a novel and sell it. I've written, I think, three novels before and none of them are publishable. Like I, they were practice essentially. I've written hundreds of poems. They'll ne some of them will never, most of them will never see the light of day. You know, it's, it's constantly, it's a very thankless job I think for most people because you're, you're constantly working at it. You're not getting paid for it yet, but you know that it'll be worth it, you know, when your book finally appears on the shelf, which I hope one day will happen. Uh, it sounds like you're on track. It sounds definitely like you're on track. So do you keep up with, in terms of science fiction? Do you keep up with science magazines and stuff? I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I took one science class in college that was colloquially known as physics for poets because <laughs> it was like theoretical physics dumbed down for uh for literature majors and that was really interesting and like mind-blowing um, but I will just google or wikipedia things that I don't understand and I love it. wikipedia I think it's a tremendous resource you do have to fact check mm -hmm. and one of the things that I find useful is the footnotes but wikipedia is like a a, a great starting point for a lot of stuff I I I, uh, I don't frown upon it yeah, it saved yeah. my life a lot of times. And you really can get into a wormhole because, you know, you can, you're like, they'll, they'll dro name drop somebody and then you'll have to click on that person and read about them and <laughs> you can be on it for hours. <laughs> it was the great science fiction writer, Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote that any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. And that's something I think about a lot when I write. That's right. And like what happens when those things get taken away? Like I, I also love post-apocalyptic kind of books. And recently I read Station Eleven um, by Emily St. John Mandel, which is a great book. It's about a pandemic, but it's not a bummer. I promise. It's really, like, it's really uplifting and hopeful. And her characters talk a lot about like missing the internet because they, and electricity and air conditioning and all these things. Um, and it's just so fascinating to think like, wow, what, what would life be like without air conditioning? None of us would live here, I don't think. <laughs> Butch and Paige's conversation then turned to a luxury that all writers crave, time. <laughs> time to find their story. I, I recently read um, a book about writing by one of my old professors, Claire Askew, and it's called Novelista. And I, I think it was great it had lots of great advice and she said if you just write for 15 minutes a day and you can 
pump out 500 words in those 15 minutes, you will have written 100,000 words by the end of this year. And I was like, damn, that's right. So I started writing. I forced myself, even on days when I work eight hours, like I'm gonna write at least 15 minutes. So I do think it's it's not exactly like a job where you have to like, you know, put on a suit and go to work, but you do have to like make yourself do it even when you don't feel like doing it. Because if you just wait for like the, you know, muse to come, you could be waiting for years. And I, I did that for four years when I lived in Poland because like, ah, I'm too busy and I don't have time and I don't have anything to write about. But it's like cleaning the cat box. You have to do it. Right, <laughs> right. I kind of fell off the habit, uh, but I, I, I actually started again this morning, which is uh, starting my day, uh, setting aside an hour before before the day starts and watch a documentary, uh, something that helps inspire me, something that I, I'm able to learn from. Uh, even the great courses, I like the lectures. Uh, there's a lot to learn from all that. I love learning. And then there's also the work. There's a lot of times and days where there's just nothing happening, but I'm, I'm doing what I need to do for it. And then in the process, one day a light bulb goes off because of all of the other footwork that I was doing towards it. It kind of comes together and then boom, the big epiphanies. But I wouldn't get those epiphanies if I didn't keep plodding along. I don't know if I'm a plotter, P-L-O-T-T-E-R, but I am a plotter, P-L-O-D-D-E-R. And the reason why I brought up is that it's not work is because it is work, but because I like it, it doesn't feel like work, but you still have to work at it, but there's a joy to it. Even when it's not working, there's still a joy to it in the process of working it. Well, backstory. I've been developing a project for a long time, and it's required a lot of uh, research and a lot of intuition guiding that research. I guess it's why I like movies so much, is that I like the visual aspect of the story being told, and then there's the verbal aspect of the story being told, the dialogue, if you will. I don't like screenplay structure. I, I don't like, it's not fun for me to read a screenplay. It's useful, but it's not fun. But watching the finished product and seeing the interplay of the visual with the words and the ad and the music, um, I enjoy that. Yeah, not only is poetry comprised of images, and of, of course, it's like, it's almost like a, you know, it's like imagery condensed because there's not much else, you know, it's unlike in prose where you have character development and, uh, you know, tension and all that stuff. Poetry really relies on imagery, and that's the best part about it. Not only the musicality of the words, but the, the images it injects you with. So as a writer, images such as works of art can be a great jumping off point to writing a new poem and finding inspiration. I even have a series of poems uh, called Nintendo Nights about uh, video games that I wrote. Um, because I, I, you know, I like to modernize things. So I, I feel like so many video games today are so beautiful and they're like works of art in themselves. So I, I like to write about video games and this kind of ties back into my love of science fiction. So, so tell me more about your project. The title of the project is Citizen Kane and the Cinema of God, Pieces of a Puzzle. That Citizen Kane was a breakthrough film in terms of what came before it and then what comes after it. And so it's an integral piece in terms of the great conversation 
it's important in terms of the great conversation and the cinematic canon of what came before and what came afterwards, and especially the filmmakers that he influenced afterwards, and in particular, 70s filmmakers uh, like Martin Scorsese, Francis Ford Coppola, and others, Peter Bogdanovich. So anyway, this is called Citizen Kane in the Cin Cinema of God, Pieces of a Puzzle. The title originates uh, partly from when Herman Mankiewicz, the writer, uh, co-writer of, of Citizen Kane with Orson Welles was on the set and Orson Welles happened to walk by and Mank in a side to a person who was next to him, I don't remember who, said, well, there, but for the grace of God goes God. <laughs> and so I think in working with this, it's evolved to, instead of a, a book will eventually come, uh, but I think what I will be doing first is creating a teaching tool where each slide in a PowerPoint presentation will act as a piece of the puzzle. And I will walk through as an instructional guide um, through each piece of the puzzle, hopefully in a way that has a rhythm and a flow and a particular music to it and a particular voice to it, which I think it does have. Uh, it will combine pictures with words, the pictures worth a thousand words, um, so this is a way I think that uh, it can be best communicated in terms of pieces of a puzzle, parts to a whole. So moving back to what you do, Paige, I am so excited about what you're doing and what you're teaching uh, people because everybody has a story to tell even if they don't think that there's a story to tell. There are stories to tell and, and uh, everybody has things of, that are interesting in one's life. It, the, the, the trick is finding a way to get it out of people. Yeah, that's, that's such a good point. I, I took my first life writing class my second year of undergrad and you know we were only 20. So all of the stories were about partying, but <laughs> it still helped us like write in a way because you know, it, even for like high school kids and even probably middle school kids, you know, writing about yourself uh, is a lot easier in some ways than trying to make something up. So uh, even if it's just like a story about what you did last week or last summer, uh, it, I think it can be really helpful to people, not only like to find their creativity, but like as a form of catharsis or therapy. So exactly, exactly. You, you not only find yourself or your voice as a writer, but you also achieve that catharsis on, a, on, a, on an art therapy level. And again, in terms of finding your voice, it, it, it really is that everybody has a song to be sung. And I think um, what you do, Paige, is you act as a voice coach for people to help bring out that song. Happy writing. Thank you. <laughs> and you too. Butch Epps and Paige Vida, two vibrant voices singing the praises of teaching at Ollie. The instructor core, there's one word, passion. They are all full of passion. Because they're not doing it to make the big bucks. They're doing it because they love it. I've taught briefly undergraduates hated it taught graduate students liked it taught, taught postgraduate and postdoctoral students liked that better and this is the best experience i've ever had precisely because of the students i enjoy more than i ever have learning i mean, so it certainly does up your game when you know that 
there are people who are listening very closely to what you say and um, you have a very fixed amount of time to present your ideas and it, it needs to be um, educational but it also needs to have some style and you have to be able to tell your story in an effective way. They are just about making this be a really wonderful experience for each and every student. It's not intimidating, it's exhilarating. <laughs> it doesn't get any better than that. This has been In Conversation, the voices of Ollie. Our thanks to Cal State San Bernardino in Palm Desert, along with communications study professor Lacey Kendall and her media students. This podcast was produced for Ollie by Lou Gorfing. And I am Dr. Arlette Poland.